You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. Show notes for this episode can be found at pregnancypodcast.com forward slash episode 149. I want to thank Zoller for their support of this episode. You know that Zoller makes my favorite prenatal vitamin. And I love this vitamin for so many reasons. But the number one reason is that they use really high quality ingredients. There's a lot of vitamin companies that skimp on the ingredients that they're putting in their vitamin and skimp on where they're sourcing them from. And Zoller doesn't do this because I do think that the quality of your vitamin really matters. And Zoller uses things like the active form of folate, not folic acid. They also use very bioavailable iron, and their prenatal vitamin has omega-3s like DHA. There are so few prenatal vitamins that include DHA in them, so this is going to mean that you're not going to have to take a separate supplement for that, because DHA is really important for you and your baby when you're expecting. You can save 25% off this vitamin when you buy it on Amazon. To get the details on that and how you can be entered to win a Bugaboo stroller, they're giving away one a month, you can go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash vitamin. And I do want you to know that I really stand behind any product that I promote on this podcast. If you have any questions about the vitamin, please feel free to shoot me an email. Last week, we talked about genetic testing and the cell-free DNA test, or the NIPT test, which stands for non-invasive prenatal test. And we went through everything that you need to know about those tests so that you understand exactly what they're looking for and what the accuracy is behind them. This week, we are talking about preparing your partner for birth. And I wrestled a little bit with the title for this episode because you really shouldn't have to prepare your partner, right? But you're probably going to feel better knowing that they are prepared. And stereotypically, you being the one who's pregnant is going to be the most involved in your pregnancy and the most involved in planning your birth. And managing and planning for a baby is a major project. And chances are that you are the coordinator and that you're spearheading all of this. Now, I know that's not true for everyone. And I do hear from partners who are involved from day one and really invested in learning what their role is and how they can help, which is awesome. But you may be on the other side of that spectrum. This episode is going to break down how labor progresses, and it's going to give you what your partner should be doing at each stage of labor. And in preparation for this episode, I reached out to a lot of dads and partners who have become parents recently. And I asked them about their experience during the pregnancy of their partner and preparing for birth. I asked what they were glad they knew and what they wished they would have known and what they think other expecting partners should know ahead of time. Thanks to a lot of their input, there are some do's and don'ts throughout this episode that are going to help guide your partner to being the rock of support that you need so that you can both go into labor and birth feeling really confident. Traditionally, birth has been an event attended by females only. And in the US, in the early 1900s, birth shifted out of homes and into hospitals. And when that happened, men were excluded from the birth process, except, of course, for doctors, which were primarily male. With the medicalization of birth and the increase in use of pain medication, dads were banished to waiting rooms, and they called these stork clubs. 
Basically, they just sat around smoking cigarettes with other soon-to-be dads until a nurse came in and told them that they were a father. And at that point, they could pass out cigars and celebrate with the other men in the room, anxiously waiting for their babies to be born. After the 50s, as the natural birth movement picked up steam, women were speaking out more about wanting more choices and more control. And this is also around the time that birth classes were introduced. And that was the start of allowing men back into delivery rooms. By the 80s, it was pretty common for men to be present. And today, dads are more present than ever in the birth of their baby. And of course, this also extends to partners who may not be in that traditional dad role. Partners, don't avoid learning about pregnancy or birth because you're not the one having a baby. Mom-to-be is doing a lot. Physically, she's growing a human. Emotionally, she may be a roller coaster. She's likely dealing with fatigue and all of the uncomfortableness that can come along with being pregnant. So pick up a book, listen to a podcast, and learn about some of this stuff because it's really going to come in handy and you're going to be a superhero for being a supportive partner. Some tips that I give to expecting moms is if you're reading any books about pregnancy, birth, or breastfeeding, you can flag pages or highlight text if you think there are sections that would be good for your partner to read. If you come across an online article or a study, you can cut and paste the text into an email. Podcasts, obviously, are a great resource. But what if your partner's not into listening to podcasts? Rather than asking them to subscribe and listen to all of them, you can just shoot them a link to a specific episode like this one, or even just tell them, hey, I'm going to shoot you an episode, listen from the 10-minute mark to the 25-minute mark. If you want to know about any specific topic, you can go to the Pregnancy Podcast website and search there, and chances are there's an episode on whatever it is you're looking for. Plus, I'm going to link to some episodes in the show notes that would be good for your partner to check out. And if your partner is not a podcast junkie, they can also just download the Pregnancy Podcast app, and they have access to everything with that there. Another tip for partners is do communicate with mom-to-be about everything. All your questions, your concerns, your thoughts on labor, birth, parenting, Don't assume anything and really talk about things. Ask her what she wants from you and then do that. In relationships, whether we're talking about romantic relationships or even friendships, we often assume that the other person should know this thing or that they should feel that way or that they should know that we feel a certain way or that we want them to do something. We can't assume what someone else knows. Moms, if your partner should know how you feel about something, you need to share that with them. And if you expect them to step into a specific role or to take care of a specific task, then you should let them know. I'm a big believer in communicating what you want, especially when it comes to planning for one of the most important days of your life. So you're pregnant for nine months. And of that total time, you're going to have about 14 appointments. Partners do go to doctor or midwife appointments make it a priority to go to as many as you can, and ideally all of them. This is going to give you a chance to be included and have some input in any major medical decisions, to ask any questions, and to hear everything firsthand. When you are in between appointments, I recommend keeping track of any questions that you have so that you can make sure that they get addressed at your next visit. 
And there's really no such thing as a stupid question. The fact that you or your partner are asking about anything is going to show that you're making a great choice to be an informed parent. Don't skip on taking a birth class. Both of you should take a birth class together. Participating in a class is going to give you a better idea of what your role is and how you can help. A birth class is going to prepare you both for what to expect. And it's going to do some emergency preparation in the event that something comes up that you're not expecting. The bottom line is that taking a birth class and educating yourself is going to increase the chance that both of you are going to get the birth experience that you want. Everyone that I reached out to for this episode said that birth classes were helpful and made them feel more prepared. Another tip is to make an event out of your birth class. Make it a date night, grab a meal after. This is a great time to talk about stuff because it's going to be fresh in your mind. And it's a good excuse to carve out some time with just the two of you before you have a baby tagging along on your dinner dates. Let's talk about labor. I want to give you and your partner an idea of what labor looks like. And I'm going to talk in terms of time frame, but these are all just estimates. So the duration of each phase is really going to vary for everyone. There's not just one way in which labor starts. Your water may break, although this is not the most common way that labor starts, despite what every single movie pretty much shows you. It's more common that you're going to start by getting some contractions, which are basically like cramps. And it's going to be more of a gradual onset rather than like a fire alarm going off. You could be anywhere when you go into labor, but chances are that you're going to primarily be at home for those beginning parts of labor, which means that this is where your partner should be too. Another possibility is that you have your labor induced. And in that case, then you're going to be in the hospital to begin with. The first stage of labor is generally the longest stage. And this can be broken down into three phases, early, active, and transition. This stage is pretty much just letting your body do what it needs to do. You're kind of along for the ride. Your job is to find ways to manage contractions and to let your body work. The first stage starts with early labor, and this goes until you're about three centimeters dilated. And remember that your cervix is going to dilate to a total of 10 centimeters. The only way to know how dilated you are is to have a vaginal exam, which is an intervention that you may be opting out of. So you may not really know how much you were actually dilated. This early labor stage can last 8 to 12 hours. Contractions are going to be about 30 to 45 seconds and somewhere between 5 and 30 minutes apart. This does tend to be the longest phase. The number one thing that you want to do here is rest and try and get some sleep. And this is going to go for your partner too, because both of you need to be 100%. The other thing that you should be doing early on is to eat. You are going to expend so much energy, so you want to make sure that your body has the fuel it needs. So eat something that's going to give your body energy for all the work ahead. And your partner should also eat because labor is just going to get busier and more intense. So you want to do that when things are slow in the beginning. This is also a good time to make sure that everything is ready to go to the birth center, to the hospital. If you have pets or other children that need care, making sure that they're good, anything last minute that needs to be taken care of, you want to get that done right in the beginning. 
And don't do all the things by yourself. Ask your partner to do some things too. One big thing that your partner can do is to help with timing your contractions or calling your doctor or midwife to give them a heads up that you're in labor, verifying when you should be at the hospital or the birth center if you're not doing a home birth. The next part of the first stage is active labor. And this takes you from about four centimeters to about seven centimeters. It generally lasts between three and five hours. Contractions increase in length. They go from around 45 to 60 seconds. And the frequency increases. They're going to be three to five minutes apart. How you manage your pain and contractions is going to depend on what techniques you've learned about or you've practiced and what works best for you. A tip for your partner, do be an active participant in labor. There are a lot of positions that are great for labor, basically anything where mom is upright. And if you can help support her so she can hold a position longer and be able to get a little break from holding herself up, that would be good. Another thing that can be helpful is counter pressure, like putting pressure on her back or doing a hip squeeze when you get behind her and put both hands on either side of her hip and squeeze her hips. This is something hopefully that you're going to learn about in a birth class or something you can Google if you're not sure what I'm talking about. But this can be a major help to get through contractions. At some point during this phase, you're going to be going to a birth center or hospital or your midwife is going to be coming to you. Your care provider should let you know when you should go in. Partners, you're going to be driving, so you need to know exactly where you're going. And don't forget the hospital or birth center bag or anything else that you should bring with you. At the hospital or birth center, your partner is going to be there to support you in any capacity that you need. They can interface with doctors, midwives, or nurses, get you anything you need, contact anyone you need to get in touch with, you should be focusing on labor and focusing on meeting your baby. So let your partner or ask them to do anything that's going to allow you to focus on what you need to do. My tip for partners here is don't let the two of you get talked into procedures you do not want or talked out of procedures you do want. And partners are in a great position to run some interference with doctors or midwives. You can always ask for a few minutes to talk to your partner and slow things down if you feel like things are moving too fast and the two of you don't have time to think. I know that it can be intimidating to stand up to a medical professional, but if having an intervention or avoiding one is important to you, then you should be speaking up. And it may be difficult for mom to be to speak up because she's going to be a little bit busy having a baby and pretty occupied with that. So this is an area where partners can really have mom's back and back her up to help her get what she wants. And keep in mind that your birth plans may change, but with very few exceptions, you almost always have time to ask questions and talk things over with your partner, with doctors, with nurses. The best exercise that's really going to get you prepared for being on the same page about what you want is creating a birth plan. I really cannot stress this enough. And if you're having trouble crafting your birth plan or you're not sure where to start, go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash birth plan, and I would be happy to share mine with you so you can get an idea of how it's worded and some things that you may want to include. A birth plan can serve as a great Cliff Notes version of your preparation, and it can really come in handy. The third phase is the transition phase. 
This is usually the hardest, but it's also the shortest. And this goes from 8 centimeters to 10 centimeters. It typically lasts about a half an hour to two hours. Contractions increase to 60 to 90 seconds, and they're going to be two minutes apart. And I know it can be really tough to try and do in this stage, but you want to relax and take a break in between contractions. Those contractions can be pretty intense, so you're going to want to try and enjoy those breaks. And that's something too that your partner can remind you to do. All of this was for the first stage. And there are some things that you should keep in mind during this stage. You want to find what works. You might find out that you're a screamer or that sitting on the toilet's comfortable. Maybe your plans change and you end up using some interventions you hadn't planned on. Basically, you got to do what you got to do to get through this stage. Another thing to keep in mind is to go pee often because a full bladder can get in the way of labor. You may find that going to the bathroom is the last thing that you want to do. So have your partner remind you to go pee. It's really important. And through this stage, you want to be telling your partner what you need. Maybe you need them to put counter pressure on your hips or your back. Maybe you just need their hand to squeeze. And what you need is going to change as your labor progresses. One contraction, you may want them right there with you breathing through it. And the next contraction, you may not want them next to you. You might just want some space. So be vocal about what you want. The second stage of labor is from being fully dilated until your baby's born. And this is also called the pushing stage. And it ends with you meeting your baby. Your care provider may be doing some directed pushing. Your body's going to be telling you when to push. And you're going to know the feeling when you get it. The best way to describe it, it's like you're bearing down to go poop. I really wish there was a better way to describe this, but that's really what it's like. And like I said, your body is going to let you know what to do. You might have the opportunity to see your baby's head emerging in a mirror. I think that a lot of women really shy away from this because they're afraid to see it, but it can be so motivating to actually see that you're making progress. And pushing is often a process of two steps forward, one step back. So you might see the baby's head appear only for it to disappear a second later. Try not to get frustrated by that. Just keep making a little bit of progress at a time. And I know partners may be freaked out about the idea of seeing a baby come out of your vagina. Partners, don't be freaked out about the fact that a baby is going to come out of your wife or girlfriend's vagina. It's not going to break anything. It's not going to make sex suck later. It's going to be fine. Think about how rad it is that she grew a human. And remember, this is how we all got here, right? Birth is amazing. And you don't have to see that if you don't want to. At the end of the second stage, once the head is out, the rest of your baby is going to be pretty easy. And that's just going to take probably another push, maybe a few more pushes. If your baby's born via cesarean, things are going to be going a little bit differently, obviously. I'm going to link to an episode on cesarean birth that I recommend you check out. And that episode goes into a lot more detail on your partner's role in a cesarean birth. A couple partners that I talked to prior to this episode suggested that if you are doing a cesarean birth, that partners don't look over the sheet. Cesarean birth is a surgery, and they do put up a sheet or a drape during it so that you're not seeing the actual surgical procedure. 
So if that's something that you don't want to see, then don't look over the sheet. And in a cesarean birth, partner's going to be at mom's head. So they're going to be on the other side of it, supporting mom through all of this. The first thing that should happen when your baby's born, whether it's cesarean birth or a vaginal birth, is that you're going to put that little human right on your chest and you want to get skin to skin. And your partner is going to be right there next to you, soaking up those first few moments. The third stage of labor, you thought you were done by now, right? (laughs) There's a third stage. And this is birthing the placenta. You and your partner are going to be pretty occupied with your baby during this time. So hopefully this is something where you can keep your baby on your chest while this is going on. If you had an episiotomy or any tearing, you're going to be stitched up after birth. And there's a lot of things that can happen to your baby shortly after birth. Whether these occur and when depends on where you give birth and what you and your care provider have agreed upon. This would be things like erythromycin or a vitamin K shot, weighing your baby, taking their measurements. The most important thing is that you're skin to skin with your baby and that you're bonding with them. A lot of the procedures that are typically done right after birth can be done while the baby is on your chest. And the same thing goes for getting stitches. If you had a tear, you want to keep your baby on your chest as much as possible. This is something that is changing in a lot of hospitals and birth settings, but it's not standard procedure everywhere. So if that's something that's important to you, then you want to talk to your doctor or midwife about it ahead of time. Partners, do get skin to skin and talk to your baby. The benefits of skin to skin contact are incredible. And this is something that partners can do too. And it still has a lot of benefits, even if you're not the one breastfeeding. Plus, when you talk to your baby, they're going to recognize your voice from hearing it while they were in the womb. Baby's going to be spending a lot of time with mom. So anytime that you have the opportunity to hold your baby, especially in those first few hours, then you want to make sure that you are getting skin to skin. You both are probably going to be exhausted after your baby's born. And if mom had an epidural, she may not be able to get up and walk around. Your partner can be a huge help in getting you anything you need or helping you around. A tip for partners, don't let visitors take over the room and your baby before the two of you are ready for it. One role that's great for dads and partners to play is the role of gatekeeper. And this is going to be not just for labor and birth, but in those first few days and weeks. Dealing with visitors can be exhausting, especially when mom's healing from birth and the two of you are bonding with your new baby. And it's okay to say no to all visitors or some visitors or to set rules for visits. The only people who need to be present and who need to be with the baby are partner and mom. That's it. If the two of you decide that you're not ready for visitors or you want to keep visits short, you're absolutely entitled to dictate that. How long you stay at a hospital or birth center is really going to depend on how labor went and how comfortable you are with the baby. Birth centers tend to have moms going home pretty quickly, often the same day, while almost all hospitals will require an overnight stay. And if you're having a cesarean birth, your stay is probably going to be a few days. Partners do support breastfeeding. Those first few days are so crucial for the breastfeeding relationship. And you can 
really make a huge difference by being supportive. If mom's having any trouble at all, advocate for her getting a lactation consultant. Partners often feel like there's nothing they can do when mom's breastfeeding, but that is not true. There is a ton that you can do. You can get her a glass of water, make her a smoothie or something she can eat with one hand while she's holding a baby and breastfeeding. You can pick up the house or go clean something. You can sit with her and watch a show or just sit with her and keep her company. Breastfeeding can be kind of isolating, especially in those first few weeks when you just feel like the baby's attached to you all the time. So just having company can make a big difference. And for partners, change diapers. Change as many diapers as possible, especially in those first few days when mom's trying to figure out breastfeeding and she might have a tough time getting up and moving around. The last tip for partners is don't try to do it alone. Ask for help. In the world that we live in, going home with a newborn and no support other than the two of you is a huge challenge. Ask for help from friends and family, for your friend that texts you to congratulate you on your baby and asks if you need anything. Ask them to drop off lunch or dinner. When your mom comes over to meet the baby, ask if she can help you do a load of laundry or pick up some groceries. If your sister-in-law comes by, ask her to hold the baby while you do dishes and mom takes a shower. Take all the help you can get. People are happy to help. Most of the time, you just need to give them something concrete to do. To recap today's episode, we went through what labor actually looks like from the very start of labor to those first few days and weeks at home. Hopefully, this gives you both a better idea of how all of this goes down and what role your partner plays, what they should be doing during each stage of labor, and how they can really be helpful and take care of some things so that mom can really just focus on having a baby and so that your partner can be the best support for you. I hope that you find this episode helpful. I hope that you feel like this is going to prepare you and your partner more for birth. I want to thank you for tuning into the Pregnancy Podcast today. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 149. And thank you to Zoller for their support of this episode. I have done a lot of research into ingredients and vitamins, and I've read through so many labels of different vitamins. I've tried vitamins from a lot of different companies, and I'm so thankful that a few years ago, I found the vitamin from Zoller. It really is my favorite and my number one recommendation for a prenatal vitamin. To check out the vitamin and get a promo code to save 25% on Amazon, go to PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash vitamin.